welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Anya Crittenden, associate editor at The Tracking Board, and with me, finally, are both of my co-hosts. Yay! Introduce yourselves, guys. I'm Hai Chen Bui, a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area. And we're all back together again. It's yeah, been so actually, happy. it's been a month. It's been a month since, since we were all together. together. Yeah. Um, our last episode all together was the Halloween episode, Monster Mash. But we actually recorded that a week before. So it's been a while. a month. Yeah. Yeah. But for our episode all back together, it is actually a very special episode. The 50th episode of the Millennial Falcon. I can't Yay! believe we got to 50. It's this awesome. is so awesome. We are middle-aged. Yeah. We are the same <laughs> age as Dumbledore basically is oh, in yeah. Fantastic Beasts. In 1926. Yeah. Um, Which, ironically, is what we'll be speaking about today because it's time for another Millennial Movie Review. our millennial movie review and we'll be reviewing Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, the newest movie in the Harry Potter universe, but the earliest uh, as of yet because it takes place in 1926. Um, So to sum up, Fantastic Beasts is about Newt Scamander, a um, magizoologist who is researching Fantastic Beasts all over the world and collecting them. And he comes to New York with a case full of magical creatures with the purpose of um, setting one free back to his homeland. Yeah, and we should say right away, spoiler alert for the entire movie. Yes. This, and yes. probably other Harry Potter yes, movies. Yes, the for now will be spoiler free, but we will get into a lengthy discussion which will be very spoilery. So if you have not seen Fantastic Beasts yet, which I don't know why you haven't, yeah. still listen to this episode or like save it for later. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah download it, but then save it. Yes. So, um, after he enters New York, his case um, accidentally gets opened and several beasts escape. And at the same time, there's a lot of tension going on with the wizarding community and the um, nomad community, which is the American word for muggle, in which there might be some um, exposure problems with the wizarding community. And uh, there's some second Salemers who are people who are trying to expose and bring about a second Salem, essentially, of Witches and wizards. Pretty dark. Yeah. Pretty dark stuff. Pretty Very dark, dark stuff. Um, it's not for kids. Yeah. It's it's not a kids both, movie. Both for kids and not for kids, which yeah. is a, something that we will be talking about. A tonal um, kind of problem. Problem that we'll be, yes. we'll be talking about in a review. Um, but yeah, that's essentially it. He teams up with some Makusa um, magical. She's like an FBI agent. Yeah, yeah. Some Makusa agent, which is the magical. Congress, Congress of the United of States, States, America. States of America. Um, the, yeah, the A in Makusa comes from mad, okay. magical, which is weird. Oh, that's really weird. That's yeah. bad. I was, like, wondering, like, what's the A? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she, he teams up with Makusa agent, um, her sister, and a nomad that he accidentally kind of just brings along into the mess. And Played by Dan Fogler from Balls of Fury and uh, Fanboys. They make up the new foursome um, in this series, and they go up against the bureaucracy, um, who is in the form of often Rupert Graves, Colin Farrell, and uh, some... Wait, Percival Graves. Sorry, Percival Graves. I'm thinking Rupert Graves, who is the actor in Doctor Who. No, in yeah. uh, Sherlock, sorry. Yeah. Mixing everyone up now. Sorry, guys. <laughs> You're fine. All right. But yeah, 
that is Percy. Percy Graves. Good old Percy. It's just Graves in the movie, really. So, anyways, that is the gist of the movie. Let us go along into our review. So we're going to be talking first about the story and the structure and narrative of this movie, and then we're going to go into the characters, which will be really fun because the characters are great. So, guys, what did you think of the plot slash structure of this film? Not great, HT. It was a mess. It was kind of a mess. A hot mess. It was a hot mess of a plot. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, if we try to think about it, uh, Newt Scamander just, like, kind of shows up in New York and just kind of stumbles into the Second Salemers mm-hmm. as they're, like, talking about how they want a Second Salem. And then Jacob Kowalski is going to the bank uh, to get a loan. And then shit hits the fan. And that's kind of the rest of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the problem is that at the, I think the movie finishes stronger than it starts. I believe. I agree Which is impressive because most movies do the opposite. Mm-hmm. But the problem with the first half of the film is that it's trying to be four different movies at once. Yeah, it's like It's like Newt and the Creatures, Second Salemers, Stuff in Makuza. And then you have... Okay, John Voight should not have been in this film. Yeah, the, the weird yeah. politics... The plot okay, with the Senate I was kind should of not ex- have been in this film. I was kind of excited for, like, politics and, like, you know, like, old school, like you know, corrupt politics and magic and that whole, like, shindig. And then it just was completely just, like, the D-plot. And I'm like, what is happening here? Yeah, It should it have been was, cut entirely. Very there are a lot of things that should have been cut in this movie. One of its biggest problems was its length. Um, I and... just, I wonder if that storyline was more important in earlier drafts. I think it was, because you have so... the two brothers, yeah. and there was clearly, like, like a rivalry between them, and, like... <laughs> yeah, and that brother just showed up in the middle of the movie, like, two-thirds of the way through the movie, and you're like, who is this guy? And suddenly he has, like, this whole sort of backstory and some sort of, like, you know, tension with him and his brother, and we're like, why is it suddenly showing up halfway through this film? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, when he shows up with the second Salemers at and John Boyd's office, yeah. and I'm just like, that whole subplot was so unnecessary. It should have been cut, I think, entirely. Yeah, I think what J.K. Rowling really needs is an editor, and you could see that actually in the last like four books of the Harry Potter series. She needs a good editor, and she needed a good editor in Fantastic Beasts. She wrote the screenplay for this film, and it was her first screenplay. And like it was fairly successful on some parts, but yeah, the big problem was that there are basically two disparate plot threads which never really converged or connected. Like They could have made it a little tighter just by like making... Uh, Newt and his arrival be the catalyst for all the terrible things going on in New York and like he trying to fix it because it is his problem and he started it but like in the end he's a distraction in his own movie well what it was it's almost like it should have been like you just said it should have been his fault or it should have been like almost they should have built the plot a little bit stronger to make it more of a red herring Mm -hmm. to make it seem like these you know these explosions in apartments or these you know street uh car accidents should could have been like at first you would have been like oh it's magical creatures mm-hmm. they've been set loose they're causing havoc and then bait and switch nope it's the obscurious yeah their problem was that that they put the big accidents and explosions in new york before newt even arrived so at the beginning the audience already knows that it's not his fault yeah so it's dramatic irony that it's just a very annoying for like two-thirds of the movie mm-hmm. and it's not it's not until literally 10 minutes before the movie that makuza's like my bad yeah, and it's funny because I remember there's that one scene um, in, like, the big hearing when they're discussing the death of the senator after the obscurus attacks, the mm-hmm. yeah. um, big 
uh, party. We could just say Credence because it's yeah. Credence. Credence. Spoiler alert. Spoilers, but, you know, we, we warned you at the beginning. Um, and they have that big hearing, and then um, Tina walks in with the case and then, and like, makes her presentation and stuff, and they're like, why didn't you tell this er- tell us this earlier? And they were like, but she tried and did. She did yeah, I wish she I wish she fought back on that a little bit because mm-hmm. she, she didn't. She just kind of let them yell at her. I wish yeah. she was like, I tried, and you didn't listen to me, you dimwits. It's just like a lot of frustrating plot contrivances that could have easily been solved just by people talking to, to each other, which is the worst yeah. kind of... Then there would have been there would have been no movie. Yeah. They would have had to rewrite the movie, yeah. which, is, which well, they should have done It's that. weak, like, miscommunication that, like, sets, like, these obstacles in the first place. Yeah. So that's why... No one talks to each other. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> it just needed to also be just trimmed down. Mm-hmm. Like, it just needed to just be tighter. Yeah, like it, the... Um, it should have been more about either the beasts or been about magical politics. Yes. So, like, I was thinking about this afterwards, and I liked both movies that were going on in this <laughs> one movie. I was like, I could have watched an entire movie just about Newt setting loose a bunch of beasts in New York and trying to catch them all. And, like, that would have been a fun movie. It was the more tonally fun and silly one, more made for kids. Um, and, like, you have, like, all the kind of pet, like, the sidekick type of animals and creatures that show up and you're like that's fun it's silly all also, the kids are laughing also you get eddie redmayne oscar winner doing a mating dance yes. it's, it's fun that was amazing it's fun and silly it's like a disney movie you know yeah um but then i would have also really enjoyed the movie about um the second salamers and makusa and grindelwald mm-hmm. who is a major character in this movie um both mentioned and appearance wise um but it did not make sense to combine the two movies, but at the same time, like I don't know, like there wasn't enough substance in both movies to make for one good movie. Like yeah. I think they could have filled out both of them, yeah. but it didn't deserve to be put in one movie. And it seems like from what uh, like few, like reports are saying that the uh, the later movies won't be very much about the beasts. Yeah, I wonder. Like I was watching it, and I wonder if there was like the first draft was just. The Fantastic Beast part. It was Newt in New York trying to hunt down his beast, and that was that, and it was going to be a one-off fun movie. But then, you know, Warner Bros. got their hands on it, and were like, let's make it into a franchise. So I feel like J.K. Rowling maybe added on the world-building as it went on, because even, because, like, a lot of the world-building, like, when we're talking about in Pottermore, felt kind of last-minute and rushed in anticipation of this movie. So I wonder if that was just, like, pressure to build it into a larger franchise and while i enjoyed that part i actually enjoyed some of those like world building and like grindelwald um dramatic build up more sometimes than the fantastic piece i wonder if like it felt added on to me sometimes yeah yeah but that's my worry is that i don't want this this franchise to be about grindelwald like and my worry is that we know it's going to end in 1945 we know that dumbledore defeated grindelwald in 1945 so like we all know that these five movies are building towards Grindelwald's defeat by Dumbledore. Yeah. Like, that's going to be the last movie. Yeah, it's going to take place over 20 years. But I don't want that to overshadow Newt, because Newt, to me, is the beating heart of this first film. Like, he was the most rewarding character mm-hmm. in the film, and I want the franchise to be about him. And I find it interesting because he's not a soldier or a fighter. Like, mm-hmm. they literally have that moment when they're at the hearing and they're like, oh, it's Commander, like, the famous the wither, whatever. Yeah. yeah, war hero. And it's like, no, that's his brother. Mm-hmm. Newt I is, like that moment. Yeah, Newt's not involved with these kind of things. So I'm interested in seeing how, like, the very first Wizarding War affects someone like Newt who's mm-hmm. not 
on the front lines who has other concerns in the world. And so I just don't want Grindelwald and Dumbledore overshadowing what it's, What it seems to me is that uh, for future movies, they're probably going to tr- like bring him back into the fold to have him you know, help out using his beasts... You know, because at the end of the day, the Thunderbirds saved, you know, obliviated everybody in New mm-hmm. York City. Yeah, yeah. So, like, they were like, oh, these beasts have some, some use to them instead of we're just going to kill them. So I think the Makusa is going to be like, or, you know, even the Ministry is going to be like, we need your help, Newt, because you helped us to, you know, capture Grindelwald the first time or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and, uh, and as we know, Dumbledore likes Newt, so Dumbledore will definitely be, like, buddies to him, mentor. So have you guys heard, I read this recently, that Newt will actually not be the main character for all five movies. I heard about that. Yeah. But I, I don't I, like that. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about it, and I wonder if they're going to keep naming the franchise Fantastic Beasts, or if it'll just be like, a, the series, the franchise, the five movies, whatever, will be completely different after this. I'm not sure. It's uh, interesting. I've heard that, I've, I've heard conflicting reports that he mm-hmm. he will be the main character, or and that he won't. So I'm not sure. See, okay. I think the problem is they originally wanted to do a Fantastic Beast, just one-off, fun, silly movie. Well, I heard trilogy. A trilogy, yeah, yeah like a trilogy fun trilogy. Was the original plan. That was that was fun, and like that was going to be like its only one-off story. But then they wanted to build it off into like this whole Grindelwald's war. Um, but I think what their problem is that they made they turned that into like the same franchise, like the same series. I feel like they should have done what Star Wars did. And had like a Rogue One type movie where it's just a one-off, doesn't have to do with like the main storyline, and like have that be Fantastic Beasts, and then have the rest of the movies mm-hmm. deal with the main plot. So I think they just kind of got off to a bad start to begin with. I don't know what they're going to do. For what now a surprise, on. Warner Brothers! Yeah, and I and I remember reading Deathly Hallows and really fascinated by the Dumbledore backstory. Mm-hmm. And I would you know like like everything in. The Harry Potter universe, the world bu- world building is always so fascinating, mm-hmm. and I always liked like when they referenced the Marauders, and I'm like, oh, we could see, you know, what they were like when they were kids, or like, oh, what Dumbledore was like as a young man, and so like that whole story of him like with Grindelwald and how they were best friends, and then they were, you know, and possibly even more than that, and then Grindelwald, they were both kind of evil, and Dumbledore was like, hey, we got to back off, and then you know, ending it at the end of World War Two, um, that was always really fascinating to me. So. I'm conflicted because I want to see this, yeah. But at the same time, uh, I also want to see Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, at completely separate than this yeah. plot. Yeah, I I agree completely. I like both these stories, and I'm I'm invested in both of them. But I just think that they should be separated. And yeah, it was just a bad bad idea from the start to combine them in a movie and in a franchise. Because you can tell that they had it's it's very tonally totally different when it's yeah. the beasts or in when it's the Grindelwald plot. Yeah, the Grindelwald pl- plot got dark. Yeah. Like, people got were dying, dark. kids were dying and getting well, beaten. Like, yeah, and the idea of an Obscurus, I think, was one of my favorite parts it's really interesting. of the film. It was super... It's a little on the nose, Yeah, but J.K. Rowling has never been known for her subtlety. Right. She's always been <laughs> just, a little on the nose. Just look at the names that she makes for her characters. Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> But, like, Obscurus, <laughs> the idea of an Obscurus of like literally dark magic being created out of like oppression yeah, and, suppression. And, and suppression both, yeah. And like the idea of you literally becoming this kind of like dark creature out of that is really interesting because I mean this movie does deal with interesting themes of 
you know, discrimination and, mm-hmm. and oppression and abuse. So I like the idea of an Obscurus. It was really interesting. Um, but it did get quite dark. Mm-hmm. I was surprised because, like, I was in a theater with a lot of kids in there. And they really enjoyed the parts with, like, the Niffler, with... Um, best animal, by the way. <laughs> yes. The bow truckle. The, best the bow truckle. And they were just laughing and having fun. And then suddenly like, kids were getting beaten in the movie. And I was like, okay. And then they shoot Credence out of the sky at it's the end. It's just, like, Holy it's so shit. atonal. And also, like, the way, oh, my God, Mukuza's like, execution room. That was what? dark. That was- so it dark. was dark, but also dark. what what executions room used to look like with chairs. It is. It's and like the electric chair and, and everything. Not just electric chairs, but chairs surrounding it so people can watch it that happen. So, like, you like, could tell that that so was an unscheduled execution because otherwise they'd have audience members. Mm-hmm. It was so messed up. Yeah. I was... Yeah. It was I think, very I think, twisted. Yeah, I think it went over some of the kids' heads sometimes, but, mm-hmm. like... Well, when they're when they're eighteen and they rewatch this movie, they're gonna be like, "What the fuck, man!" <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, also, like now we know why Graves and Credence had weird homoerotic like subtext. I noticed that too. And now well, knowing who knowing that yeah, knowing and who now Graves was actually yeah. But now, like it was also I'm, weird because I was like, "All right, the age difference is super weird. Like, calm down." Yeah. How old was, was he supposed to be? Because like Ezra Miller's in his twenties. Yeah. I think you yeah, think Creed was seventeen, like a, like a teenager, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah they that was in like a thirty-year difference. Just like yeah, some of the theme, I like some of the themes were really good, but some of them I felt like weren't handled with kind of the nuance. Yeah, that they should have been. I will say this is, and just, it just wasn't cohesive. Mm-hmm. This this is just a good moment in, during the story when. Graves gives him like a necklace, and you don't know what the necklace is. And then they, and then he's like, just tap it when you're in trouble. And he turns, and it's just the Deathly Hollow symbol. I, I looked at my girlfriend. I was like, what? <laughs> what? I was like, I, I pointed out my tattoo because I have a tattoo of the Deathly Hollows. I was like, that's me. Yes. <laughs> Which we need to get into with Graves slash Grindelwald because I have thoughts on that. Mm-hmm. But before we get into characters, so we have all these structural editing problems, mm-hmm. but there was a lot I liked about the movie on its production side as well. Like, mm. I thought the art direction and the cinematography was, like, stunning. Yeah. Just the, out of this world. Gorgeous. David and Yates the knows music how to film a movie. was so beautiful. Yeah, the music was great. The production was, like, actually my, my favorite part of the movie it was sometimes. so good. Just, like, I really loved um, the suitcase. Like, going into the briefcase. Oh, and yeah. Finding yeah. That, that, whole, that whole sequence inside, the, the first sequence inside the briefcase, best part of the entire movie. Yes. It was amazing. Yeah, most rewarding scene by yeah. far. Yeah. Because that's what you were there for the movie. It for. definitely felt like the most magical part of the film. And yeah. I, just, I really enjoyed it. And, like, it was really nice seeing Newt in his element with his animals. And I like that it was kind of like these curtains or these mm-hmm. drapes that kind of pretended to be the yeah. area. But I think like, they also moved to make yeah, it look like. Yeah, it was like makeshift. Because yeah. you could tell he would just, like, mm-hmm. put up some drapes and then, like, yeah. um, enchanted them. But and it probably changes the atmosphere. Like, it's yeah. probably colder in the snow area. Mm-hmm. For the animals, yeah, and the it thunder, so the Thunderbird was so great. Yeah. He's in, the, he's in like the little makeshift Arizona. It's yeah. so great. Um, so continue, Anya. You were going to say some more about the set. No, yeah, I just think that that was at least some of the high points of the yeah. film on like its production side. Yeah, like I, one of the most distinct scenes for me was when they first go to Makuza, mm-hmm. and just like it shows you everything around. But just some of those like crane shots inside Makuza and things was just so beautiful. I really love yeah. that. And, like, how they use, like, a real building. Like, they use the Woolworth building, and they're like, hey, yeah. this is where the headquarters is. I like that, too. Um, also, I, th- I pointed this out on Facebook and Twitter, but the fact that Makuza has a threat level clock. 
where they're where they're like, okay, yes. it's like color coded. So Very green, American. Um, orange, red, red. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Um, it's the most American thing in the damn movie. I do like. I want to say about the soundtrack. I really like that they blended both the old Harry Potter. Um, scores as well as there's one score that sounded very much like the Peter Pan 2003 score to me. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was one I don't know which scene it was. What scene was it? Um, well, I know that the music in the very first scene when Newt's on the ship. Yeah. Like the the main theme of yeah. Fantastic Beasts, like its own theme was just so magical. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was, was And that was one of those moments I was just like <gasps> It was Harry like Potter. Yeah, it, it, it's like a, you know, for seven eight movies you had this one theme that mm. we kept going back to which will give me chills till I'm 90. Mm-hmm. Um, but this it, theme lived up to it. It lived up to it. It's, it was its own, like, this is Newt's story. This is his theme. Mm-hmm. This is, like, the magical piece. That's why theme. the structure didn't work as well, because I feel like you start, and it's so, like, light and, like, fun and, and adventurous. Magical. And, like, yeah, you have yeah. Newt, who's just adorable and not great with people. And you're, like, so into this. And then, like, out of nowhere, it's, like, abuse. Yeah. Yeah. Which is why I did, like, like the... Peter Pan S score. I think it was during like a night scene when he was talking about like his animals or something with um, Kowalski, and yeah. um, it was it seemed like very fitting because Newt really is like a Peter Pan type character because he's kind of childlike in a ways in that he he isn't really um, he's kind of socially awkward. He's not good at talking with people, but he has like this wonder to him which I really liked. So and then yeah again got really dark at some points and you're just like this is that it's not fit and then and you can tell that he's trying to communicate with credence at the end where he's Mm -hmm. he's trying to connect with him that you know they're both kind of outsiders in in their own area yeah yeah should we move to characters let's move to characters are are we all good with plot are we all like are we anything else we want to say i think we've We'll probably bring we it thoroughly. Yeah, up. we'll bring I, it up when Grindelwald comes on. Screen. Yeah, we've, we've covered for the most part our qualms with it. Yeah. All right. So characters. Who were your guys' favorite characters in this movie? Uh, Kowalski was my favorite character, um, just because a uh, we talk about representation a lot, and representation with physical features is also important. So it's really cool to have like a main character be overweight, where you like you don't see that usually. Mm-hmm. It's like kids' movies and they're bullies. So it was really cool to have like this sweet, you know, bakery guy who just wants to make people food. Just wants to live his life. He just wants to live his life, but at the same time, he's really friendly. Like he's always like really game for everything. Mm -hmm. It's great. Yeah, I was like, Newt needs to hire him as his assistant with the creatures because Jacob did so well with the creatures. Yeah, he just settled in right away. He was adorable. once Once he realized what was going on, he was ride or die. Yeah, yeah, and like. This okay. This was the thing that really confused me at the end was when the Thunderbird made it rain and it was like yeah. the Obliviate and everything. Mm-hmm. Like we saw that Nomadges, both outside in the rain and inside not in the rain, were affected by it and lost their memory. But Jacob had to go in the rain. Um, okay, so I assume they were drinking was it like, water. Was he prote- was inside, he protect- inside, if you noticed, if you look at the scene, uh, they're either drinking water or they're taking a shower. So there's something water related that is that is happening with the people. But inside. that doesn't make sense because the then system is all really the nomads good in New York apparently. Yeah. Well, then all the nomads who aren't drinking water or taking a shower wouldn't have been for, like wouldn't have lost their memories. And the whole point was to have the entire city of New York wiped. I mean, I guess they could get some stragglers easily. Enough, I mean, so. I get why Jacob had to go in the rain for like dramatic storytelling purposes. Yeah. Like you had to but have I that scene. I don't it was think a it, great scene. It would not have affected him. It was because yeah, I it's, I think it's a weird. It's like a half-assed um, cover-up to try and figure out, like, 
they're like, oh, well, what about all the nomads inside? Okay, we'll show them with w- having water. But what about, but like you said, like what about the nomads who might have just been like sleeping at the time? Yeah, I guess, it's, I mean, like I just uh, reasoned it as like it's easy enough to get the stragglers to who didn't get yeah. oblivied by the rain so they can just like find them easily enough. It's and there less were ton- than like the whole city. There were probably a ton of people outside because of all the commotion. Yeah, so people inside might not have even seen Because as you know, Americans, yeah. we love to look at shit. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was probably mostly... For me, it was mostly just they needed a scene of Jacob saying goodbye. Yeah, yeah totally. I mean, and it, that's it, what it was. It totally and it was worked. a great scene. It totally it worked. worked as a scene, and I think I, I totally yeah. get what you're talking about. But um, I think that that it worked well because it's like that was like a powerful moment. Yeah, it worked well enough. Also, little, this is a little a little side note. I like the little use of umbrella, magical umbrellas. <gasps> that was so cute. That was so I like that. It's like that's so. It's such a weird New York. 1920s thing that I never even thought about it when I was watching Harry Potter. Yeah. The Harry Potter movies. I'm like... They never used umbrellas. They never used umbrellas. They never bothered to even do, like, the magical umbrellas. I'm like... And it's, like, this really cool, like, stylistic thing that you... It's cute and elegant, and I really liked it. Yeah. Now I really want an invisible umbrella. No. It was great. Yeah. Yeah. I think the foursome, just in general, was Mm -hmm. a really great team. I really love Newt and Queenie the most. I think Newt, as a protagonist, is really wonderful. Yeah. I think... For me, Newt was the strongest and most interesting character, and I liked how, like, unleading man he was. He, you know, he was like I was saying before, he's very socially awkward and just like so sweet and compassionate. But I do feel like Kowalski was the strongest character. Like he was the yeah. most developed for me. Oh, I thought Newt was the most, yeah. the strongest for me. I just like, cause for me, the most rewarding thing in that film was Newt and the creatures. Mm-hmm. Like his relationship with the creatures. Yeah. To me, was the strongest part of the film. Like that scene when Graves takes the briefcase and he's, like, screaming, like, <gasps> not my creatures, like, they're oh. innocent. Like, that was so sad. Newt cares so much. And, like, that's my thing is that, like, Newt really cares about these creatures and, like, getting bad reputations away from them and, like, protecting them. And I think that's why, I, like, Newt is a character is that he's different. Mm-hmm. He has, like, a different goal and a different priority in life. Um, and I just think he's so lovely and mm-hmm. him and his creatures. I am really curious about... His relationship with Zoe Kravitz's character, who's I Ella like Strange. that they brought her up. Yeah, Lestrange. yeah, and Strange, which is really yeah. interesting. My only, I hope that she doesn't like go like I, I mean, I guess she'll go dark because she's Ella Strange, and mm-hmm. they like aren't friends anymore. But like, I hope she's more than just like a pawn to like be used against Newt or something. Yeah, but I'm really interested, and I mean, he and Tina were cute. And, Tina was, you cute, know, they yeah. get they get married, so. It's gonna be. Oh, do they? Do they? Spoilers! I didn't. I didn't read, I finish reading I the textbook. I only, or I didn't like reread yeah. the textbook. Recently. Oh, I'd oops. Never read yeah, the it was. Yeah, it's been revealed like a while ago, but like that his wife becomes Tina, or his, Tina becomes his wife. So let's talk a little bit about Tina and Queenie. Um, I think they were a little less uh, developed than Newt yes. and Kowalski were. Uh, Queenie yes. was like definitely the least developed, but. Um, I still like them. Like, as part of the foursome, they were really strong. And Tina, I like that she ha- she had her own motivations and backstory and was really, like, the hero in the end. She mm-hmm. was the one who had the personal connection yeah. to Credence. With Credence, yeah. Yeah. I think they could have yeah. developed that more. I think they should have showed more of that. Yeah, they should have brought Agreed. that up earlier. It was a little um, confusing. Because, like, it's like, okay, so she stopped them once and then they... Forgot about and her? And then they told... Then they... they, they uh, Revoked her. Revoked her or access mm-hmm. and then... But she's still able to like walk into the building. Like it's really strange. Like is she is she just taking off the investigative team, and she's still an or, or is she completely not an or? Mm-hmm. 
was just she's not an aura. She's working in a different department. Yeah. So she was taken off of being an aura. Yeah. yeah. She was taken off being an aura, but she was just moved to another department. Oh, okay. So she yeah. was still. Yeah. Oh, she mo- was she in the permanent office? Is that why? Is that why they went down? Yeah. There? Yeah. She worked okay. in the permanent. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then Queenie, what, what what did she do at Makusa? She served coffee. Was that? Yeah. She was like a tea girl. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I like Queenie. Was my favorite of the two, just in personality. I, just I really liked her personality Queenie, a lot. Mm-hmm. But. And Allison Sudol was great. As someone who's a musician and not an actress. Oh, she's a I musician? I thought she was. Oh, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, she's, um, she's a fine frenzy. That's her. Oh, that's like, her. Music. Oh, my God. Oh. What? Uh, a fine frenzy. Um, it's a band. It's her, it's her musical oh. stage name. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she was great. I, I thought... She, I, Thought she did very well. Yeah, with, at first, what she was given. At first, she was kind of doing like a Marilyn impression. But... Okay, <laughs> I have a thing. So, because she's very manic pixie dream girl. Wait, magic but, pixie dream girl. Wait. Oh no, see, I call her Marilyn pixie dream girl. Oh, because she was so Marilyn. She was very Marilyn, and like she is very pixie dream girl, especially with Jacob. Oh, definitely. Um, which is a little unfortunate, especially as, like, a Legilimans, like, she's so interesting, mm-hmm. and I think there's a lot more there, and, like, when she had that discussion with Newt about Zoe Kravitz's character. That was the most realist conversation mm-hmm. in, the yeah. whole, in the whole, and there, with, like, her, that was her, um, besides the end, um, and, like, a couple scenes with Kowalski, that was her strongest scene, I think, mm-hmm. was with Newt in the, in, in the, about Zoe yeah. Kravitz's character. So I just hope she's developed more because yeah. I think she's a really interesting character and I want her to be more than just, just what the, she was. Just the girl, yeah. But I like, she did have, like, yeah, spots of potential. Like, the, the scene with her and Newt and also the scene when she, um, like, read that um, Tina was in danger and was going to be about to be executed and she went on her own. Yeah. And that was a really good scene. And she was like, get in. And she she used the briefcase. And it was like, not just like a different character reversal for her. It was like her in character, like a very, her way of rescuing them and like, you know, getting out by like flirting with another guy and stuff. It's really cool. Mm -hmm. They're like, uh, they're like, what do we do? And she's like, get it. Yeah, it was great. She just takes the briefcase out. Yeah, I really liked when she took initiative. So I... I like the foursome a lot. Um, They're they, fun. They work well yeah, together. They do. I like that Tina was like she's very headstrong and she very she knows what she wants. Mm-hmm. And when people don't act the way she wants, she gets disappointed with them. She yeah, I didn't me. mean to spoil that she becomes his wife, but Eddie Redmayne okay. talked about it in an interview. Oh, okay. uh, wait, was that is, how? Wait, where is? Okay, what's where? Where is this information? Is it in the the Fantastic Beast textbook? It's not in the textbook because it's just a textbook. It's not like a biography, right? So, um, I know it's like on the Harry Potter wiki or like it might be on Pottermore on his biography. Like JK Rowling revealed it. Oh, like, uh, okay. Not like, not like he, I think it's more of just like a Newt Commander and Tina Goldstein, like mm. married couple, whatever. And then Eddie Redmayne has talked about it in interviews for press for the movie mm. and being like, she becomes his wife and stuff. Yeah, I don't so, Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I want. Yeah, I wonder if that should have been spoiled. But I guess if J.K. Rowling had already revealed it herself, yeah, it's but like, like it's probably out there. So it's yeah, like, but like I, there's there was nothing. Like I, 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 it's okay. <laughs> it's alright. It's a spoilery um, review. So it does take place in 1926. So everything has already happened. Yes. Um. True. What also, did you guys think of Madam President? I liked her. I thought she was. Uh, she like was a good like leader i think that they are in the wrong direction of doing things but i think that what she was doing was like i i think she was a strong character i think it was kind of a thankless role but she was good for the scenes that she was in um 
Yeah, I'd like to see more of her probably, but um, I didn't really have much thoughts about beyond like her being like the bureaucracy and this is not how things work kind of thing. And she's like the greater good of the wizarding community versus the nomads and that kind of stuff. I'd like yeah. to see more of her and like her kind of personal thoughts on that secrecy law and like whether she's because like she seems very all in and like very um, about. Um, enforcing it but I don't mm-hmm. know like she seems she at least like had some compassion at least for Kowalski like their friendship with Kowalski and stuff yeah because yeah. I think she realizes that you know he was useful at, um, with what they were doing mm-hmm. um, I just want to go back a little moment when they were talking about schools and they were talking about Ilvermorning and they were talking about Hogwarts that was and then, cute and then Queenie just goes Hogwash. I just thought that the little hogwash bit was really cool it was cute yeah it was really cute I like that there's like a rivalry yeah, yeah. Um, okay so why don't we talk about the elephant in the room, Johnny Depp as Grindelwald. Can we just get... Let's just get straight to it. One, terrible. Two, awful. Three, garbage. Just all of it. I think just, like, the plotting of it and Johnny Depp. Like, none of it worked. It was very Scooby-Doo villain reveal and it was at a twist, the end. And it was a twist that J.K. Rowling used before in the fourth movie. Oh, yeah, with Barty Crouch yeah. Jr. as but, yeah, but with less scaffolding. It was like, yeah, yeah. It was built up to it. It was just like, oh, Because I honestly thought throughout the marketing of this movie and through most of the movie that Graves was a supporter of Grindelwald. Mm-hmm. Or like yeah, a follower. that was mine and Willoughby's theory. Mm-hmm. And then, theory was like he was a Grindelwald follower and he knew that Credence was a wizard and was trying to like recruit him to Grindelwald's side. And honestly, turned out to sort of be true. I think it would have worked really well if it wasn't a reveal that he was Grindelwald, but that he was a reveal that a Grindelwald supporter, like when he fi- when he's finally captured, and there and he's talking and he you know go, maybe he'll go unhinged and talking about like Grindelwald will kill you all or something like that, some mm-hmm. random like speech that'll like push him like towards like full supporter, and then now it's like okay, so where is the real graves? Yeah, which we should talk about in a minute. But it was so like Scooby Doo, like you meddling kids because it was like new. Did, like, Revealio and, like, and, like they were, and, like, there weren't many his... clues to it at all, except for, like, they had the same fuckboy haircut. Like, what was his motivation to to, to doing the Revealio? Like, did yeah. he see something and go, this isn't right? It's just because it's magic. Or did he just Yeah, go... just, like, an intuition. Because it was, like, okay, maybe if he, like, hit him and, like, like, you could, like, his eye color changed. I think, like, his only clue was the interrogation, but even then it could have yeah. just been, like, he was a follower of Grindelwald or something. Yeah, when yeah. Graves in the line that was very Grindelwald-esque. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, I'm just going to put it out, like, Johnny Depp took me out of the film. Like, in that moment, like, he yeah. was not acting well. Like, he was so over the top. He looked really fat, too. And um, so <laughs> corny. He was very, and, I mean, like, like, he was doing his kabuki-ass mat. Kabuki mask acting as yeah, he always does. and it's like, I mean, I don't want him in the franchise period because he's a terrible person, but also like he's not a very good actor anymore either. Like I think his last role was probably like at least a decade ago. Like his last good role. Yeah. Yeah. Pirates probably. Oh, he was yeah. good in that Secret Window movie. I like that was like two thousand four. That was two thousand four. That was like a decade ago. I like Secret Window. Um, But yeah, and what a waste of Colin Farrell, who was great in this movie. He was like a little one note as a villain, but he was he had so much potential, and they just had to. We might see him again. I mean, we don't know where the real Graves is. Graves. And there are a couple theories. I mean, he could be dead. 
he could be kidnapped the way the real Mad-Eye Moody was. Mm. I also saw a theory that he actually, the real Graves is a Grindelwald supporter and, like, lent Grindelwald his identity. Hmm. I feel movie. like there's no basis for that, but we'll figure that out. Neither do I, but, like, I want to see Colin Graves. I think that, I want to see Colin Barrel again. I think we'll see him again, because, you know, with Harry Potter characters and people pretending to be other people, we'll see the real person, I think. Um, I just wonder who he is, like, who the real Graves is. I think is. he's... I think because Grindelwald had to pretend to be Graves, that he's very similar to how we saw him in Makuza, because otherwise you would have had, like, they would have found out they right away. Suspicious, yeah. They would have been suspicious that this wasn't the same guy. Mm-hmm. But I think that, so yeah, I think he's very similar, but at the end you could tell that he was, you know, he full on, like, talking about being, like, you know, revealing ourselves, taking us out of the shadows. That whole thing was very Grindelwald. But I think that the beginning of the movie, when he's just you know, a, this detective guy going through trying to figure, trying to quote-unquote figure out what's going on with Makuza. I think that's what we'll see more like him. Also, I sympathize... Well, Grindelwald was grave the whole movie. Yeah, right, yeah. no, I'm, I, yeah. but I, what I'm saying is that he had to pretend to be the same guy that everyone in Makuza mm-hmm. still knows. So they, yeah, like, how, they, like how Mad-Eye Moody yeah. is, was basically the same between uh, Goblet of Fire and Order of Phoenix. Like, there yeah. was yeah. No, there's no difference. The personality was similar, yeah. because yeah. they had to pretend to be the same guy. And, like, also... Despite Graves being the villain of the piece, I sympathize with him more throughout the movie than I did a lot of the characters sometimes. Like, you know, Newt I loved, but I sympathized a lot with Graves' arc, um, especially towards the end when he was basically the only one who was sad over Credence's death. And Newt was, too. And Newt was, too, but, like, Graves was the one who admonished everyone for killing him. And I was like, why is the villain of the piece... Yeah, but Grindelwald felt bad just because he wanted the obscurus. Yeah, but at the same time, he was also making some good points, too. I was just like, Graves, why are you making so much sense right now? <laughs> but it was, it was a I mean, weird, like, it was a kind of incongruous for me, I don't know. Yeah, he was, ma- I mean, I don't think we can say Graves, but Grindelwald yeah. was mm-hmm. making some good points, mm-hmm. I guess, sort of, as a supremacist. Yeah. But, I mean... Well, about, like, the didn't... secrecy laws and about hiding from the magical people. And yeah, stuff like that. I yeah. Mean, like, I mean, not like genocide. <laughs> I mean, that's why, I mean, that's why he and Dumbledore yeah. became friends in the first place. And Dumbledore mm-hmm. had those same feelings as well. Mm-hmm. So, my question is, where has Grindelwald been hiding the Elder Wand this entire time? Because he couldn't have been using the Elder Wand right. as graves. Well, he probably has that's... it stashed somewhere. But that's yeah. dangerous, though, because everyone's that's trying dangerous. to get the, da- the Elder Wand. That's the only ho- Deathly Hollow that people know actually exists. Yeah. But, I mean, I feel like he's a smart enough dude to, like, put it somewhere where people won't get it. Mm, maybe. maybe. I don't know. And he also maybe the real it. Graves has it. Wait, that makes sense. He couldn't sense. have used it as Graves because people would be like, that wand is Elder. Exactly. That's not your yeah. wand. That's not Graves' wand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, as, as you know, that everyone has a permit for their wand. Right. So yeah. It's even stricter, yeah. It's even stricter than it is in... So I'm wondering, like, where the Elder wand... I, I mean, it's somewhere. Grindelwald already has it. Yeah, he had it because he got it as a young man, as we saw in Deathly Hallows. Mm-hmm. When he was well, yeah, he got it. Bower. He got it soon after Ariana's death. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, so it's definitely around. It's definitely somewhere. Maybe he has it stashed in his personal things or whatnot. So I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. he definitely did. He definitely didn't have it because that was not the Elder Wand. Yeah. So just yeah. let's talk I'm a little bit. Oh, not looking for Johnny Depp. Oh, I'm just yeah. really yeah. not. It's he's such a be shame. Like a major part in the rest of the franchise. So. That's my concern. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about the second Salemers. Um, what did you guys think of them? Weird. Um, I think the, the movie 
either it, the movie should have been more about them or not about them at all. I agree completely um, with that. I think that it, they were kind of this weird, uh, n- not nuisance to the plot. They're, yeah, nuisance to the plot. Well, they're atonal with yeah, the plot. It's really yeah. dark and grim and awkward. And like I get what they were doing with like, you know, there's like a, a, a faction of of people who know that wizards, witches and wizards exist and they want them dead. Um, and I, and like, it's always like a thing, but it just seemed like they just seemed too crazy and out there to be taken seriously as a threat. I like the concepts of them, but I also agree that they should have been in like the Makusa Grindelwald story and not in the Fantastic Beasts part. Um, I could, I could see how they would have worked in just like a Fantastic Beasts like solely movie um, as sort of like the obstacle and like the danger in case that they the magic got revealed but at the same time they're just like so dark and like the child beatings and all that stuff were just did not fit did not fit with the film although like it it did lend to like the climax of the movie um, with um, Credence and like the obscurial and stuff but um, yeah I did not I don't really see how they fit in do you think they'll come back um, I don't think so. Not really? Because they're not part of Grindelwald's shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Credence is dead, so... Mm-hmm. Or is he? There's actually a bit at the end of the credits where, like, you see a little bit of the Obscurial come back. And there apparently is a deleted scene um, in which... Well, deleted but scenes the Obscurial can, yeah. But the Obscurial can exist without a host. Right, mm-hmm. but... So Credence is dead. Right. The, the, some people are saying he he might not be because of that. Mm-hmm. That they that they didn't take, they didn't uh, uh, rip the Obscurious out of his body in time or something. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. But some people are saying that Ezra Miller will be back. Mm-hmm. And some people are saying, "Funny, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I like making the same face, just like mm, that's what I'm, I'm, skeptical. I'm, I'm not, skeptical. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. So I'm. That's it. Just, sounds I'm just like reporting the truth. A, from what I'm hearing, like of these possibilities it sounds like there are a lot of disparate plot threads that i don't know how they will be wrapped up so that's what five movies is for we'll see that's just my yeah that's my concern i'm also i'm curious like i feel like newt has to be a major character in all five like they introduced zoe kravitz as his past and like mm-hmm. i just feel like newt is being set up as a major character. Well, it's also weird if you have... Like, if you very start, upset if, you, if he's not going to be. It's weird if you start a franchise and have these four people and then not have them return for all Yeah, yeah. and they set, up Jacob, they set up Jacob coming back and, like, joining yeah. the force. And Queenie's like, still Queenie around. Going into the yeah. shop. And Tina's obviously still around. Like, they're all still around, so I don't know why they wouldn't I focus wonder, the story on Yeah, I wonder if for, like, the next couple movies, it'll just be, like, Newt stumbling into these situations like he did yeah. basically with this film. Um, which I don't know. And then if by I four, like that. and then by movie four and five, it'll be more of like Deathly Hallows one and two, where it's like one movie basically. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I'm, I'm as we talk about it, I'm growing more skeptical about like this five movie franchise, which is sad because I did enjoy this movie. Like, yeah. despite our complaints, I enjoyed it and it was fun. Hey, I, I enjoyed it yeah. a lot. It was a lot of fun. I would watch. I I saw it two times, so mm-hmm. I'd watch it. I'd, I'm gonna buy the Blu-ray. Like, I'm gonna mm-hmm. watch it again. Oh, before we wrap up characters, let's talk a little bit about the creatures. We yeah. haven't even talked about them. Uh, Niffler is the best. Yeah. Um, uh, Pickett's the best. Nope. I'm, yep. nope. I'm a Niffler fan, too. Niffler! Niffler. He's, He's just so cute. Th- He's like a little platypus <laughs> that loves gold. 
the Niffler is cute. The Niffler is the cutest for me because of the attitude. Like, he's mm-hmm. very much like, hey, Dad, look at me. He's a staff like, I'm master. I'm getting into trouble. He's such a sass for master. For me, the Niffler took up a little bit too much screen time he at did, times. Yeah. Like, yeah, I like too many scenes. It. Yeah, they, yeah, I mean, you could tell that they were like, we're going to make this one the Pikachu of this franchise. <laughs> and, like, it was very, like, um, oh, gosh, what's the word I want? Like, they stood out. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, for me, Pickett, the bow truckle, blended into, like, the plot more because he just, like, was there at certain moments that were already happening, whereas the Niffler kind of just had his own scenes mm-hmm. that... The Niffler's cute, but Pickett... Pickett is so adorable. He just clings to Newt all the time. So I've seen a lot of criticisms that, like, the si- the creatures are kind of silly and sidekicky and, like, well, the, yeah, the weakest are. parts of the film. But <gasps> no. I actually, they're, like, they're the most fun parts. They're the yeah. parts that the kids enjoyed the most. They were, yeah, they were, like, a Disney sidekick. They're but, silly and sidekicks, but yeah. that, that's, what's make, that's, that's what makes so fun. them great. It was the nice levity we needed out after yeah. you know, the sale, second Salemers showed up. And so. like I said, I mean, it, for me, it was like Newt's love for them mm-hmm. is what made it so great to watch. Is that like Newt understood them and like really cared about them. And like even with like the Obscurists, like he was like, this isn't like an evil thing. Like mm-hmm. he just cares so much about these creatures. And like I think that's, I think without Newt, they could have been a little kitschy mm-hmm. and over the top and unnecessary, but I think like with Newt grounding them and like his relationship with them. And Eddie Redmayne selling the hell out of reacting to them. He did. Eddie Redmayne deserves his props. We forgive you for Jupiter ascending. Eddie. (laughs) 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 Yeah. He was really good in this film, though. He was wonderful. I mean, that's the thing. Jupiter ascending was before his Oscar. This is a movie after his Oscar. Yeah. I mean, other than Johnny Depp, I think most of the cast was pretty great. Yeah. I mean, John Boyd was unnecessary to, like, the nth degree, but... But he hammed it up in his scenes, you know? And then uh, Dan Fogler was great. I love that he, he had, like, a Brooklyn accent the entire time. Like, he, he had, like, a traditional, like, 1920s. Yeah. My favorite part was when he, when he gets a drink, when he gets the, the, he gets the giggle, the giggle water... And like he sees in a house elf, he's he's like, and the house elf's like, "What? You've never seen a house elf before?" And Dan and Kowalski was like, "Oh yeah, I've seen house elves before. My grandfather was a house elf. Like it's such a weird so great. like." Also, I Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman as a goblin, amazing. Which uh, unfortunately was in like one of those unnecessary scenes. But so Ron, unnecessary. Yeah. Ron Perlman as a goblin, looking like Ron Perlman, and <laughs> like Ron Perlman, and basically playing yeah. his role in Pacific Rim. And basically playing his role in every movie he's done. <laughs> it was fun. It's I was the like, same role he's done in Drive. It's the same movie. Is it? Oh, it is. Yeah, he's yeah. basically like a mafia guy. Like, Selling yeah. things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In uh, Sons of Anarchy, same thing. I enjoy Ron Perlman, though. He's great. Like He's great he's at what fun. he does, but he does the same thing in it. <laughs> he does. Um, Even if he's a goblin. Even if he's, instead of six feet tall, he's three feet. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's wrap this up with talking about some of the themes of Fantastic Beasts and how well they carry off. So I, I know we've, like, touched on it a little bit um, with, like... Well, the theme of conservation is a big one with Newt. Mm-hmm. And I think that they... That was definitely, like, Newt's theme was about conservation of these creatures and, and teaching people that they're not bad. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I, think, I think they did... And th- I think that's also extends into the obscurious one mm-hmm. because you realize that it's not their fault that they're like up, 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 that they're running around mm-hmm. blowing up shit yeah it's the suppression of magical 
yeah. ability. I did think this was a timely movie because it talked a lot about like oppressed peoples and being in hiding and having to be persecuted and I think that comes at a better time than any at, at the moment and like yep. that's always been a theme in J.K. Rowling's books and Harry Potter and I really like that it's come at such a good time to just kind of remi- remind us that that those are important things um, especially like with the um, with Credence and his arc and the, the obscurials and stuff like I thought that was really um, poignant so I like that a lot. Um, yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, I, like I don't have much to add. I do think I want to talk a little bit about di- about diversity. Um, yes. Because uh, or as la- or um, the lack thereof, because there are about two POC characters um, who had lines in this film, or like three, I think, which was the um, Madam President, and then there was also that goblin in the bar that was coated black and mm-hmm. who was, of course, a lounge singer. And um, there was that actress from the human show, the Asian actress, who I think had one line in the big Makusa hearing. Um, yeah, and then, of course, we'll get Zoe Kravitz, but she we'll didn't get have Zoe any Kravitz. lines. Yeah. But it's definitely... And, like, the movie got a lot of criticism before it even came out for this, and J.K. Rowling's response was basically, relax, there are going to be more movies, mm-hmm. which is not... That's not a excuse of justification. Like, well, like when, you're, when your main cast will be all white throughout the movies. Yeah. yeah. That's like everything Everything else is relegated to supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There could have definitely been more diversity um, in this film, needless to say. Although I do think when the outcry happened, it had already been too late and everything had been cast already. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think, I hope that they learn from their mistakes. And yeah, like 1920s yeah. New York, 1920s Earth is America. not entirely <laughs> white. Yeah, it's like the main four are really great. Like mm-hmm. like the those four, the casting is they're really wonderful. They have good chemistry, mm-hmm. but there's literally no reason why any or all of them had to be white. Mm-hmm. Like there's nothing that dictates that they had to be white. Agreed. Yeah. So. So, um, but. Otherwise, any final thoughts on this film? Because we did talk a lot about our criticisms for it, but in the end, I thought I'm happy to be back in the Harry Potter world. Yeah, like I've missed, I've missed this world. It was, it was a nice dive back into that wonderful magical world, and like I, I agree, there were so many moments of magic and just wonder that I enjoyed, and it was just like a cute, sweet film. At times. Yes. <laughs> At times. <laughs> At times, it was incredibly dark, and you should yeah. never take your children. But to it was, it was just like. You know, going back home. So Hogwarts will always be there to yeah, welcome you home. Exactly. So but yeah. So I am curious about the next films. Yes. Yeah. So how will the Millennial Falcon rate this film? What did we do out of five stars last time? I believe so. Yes. So Anya, you go first. How many out of five stars? I'm gonna give it a three and a half. I will give it a three star. I'm also three and a half. Okay. But that's like a good like three and a half. Mm-hmm. Like it's not bad. So we're like a three and a quarter. Yeah. Together. So the Millennial Falcon gives Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them three and a quarter stars. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So let's move on to the last segment of our episode. I really, 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 really like you. But I need to tell you something. Can I go first, guys? You can go first, Anya. What do you really like this week? 
So I have two things. Um, the first is sort of similar to some of HT's really likes in the recent past. But I am really excited about a new album that's out by my girl band, Little Mix. Oh. Their new album, Glory Days, is out. And it's wonderful. And I love it. And I love my girl pop. And Little Mix is the best. And I'm really hoping that they get bigger in the States. Because they're, they're a British girl band. Um, they won... Britain's... No. X Factor? Britain's Got Talent? No. X Factor, I think. I'm not sure. I will trust I think, you. I think X Factor. Um, and they're really big over there. And they haven't really made it over here the way, like, Fifth Harmony has. Mm-hmm. But they're about to go on tour with Ariana Grande Ooh. here in North America. So I'm hoping that, like get some more exposure and they get bigger. I think I've but, heard, like, one of their songs. I heard yeah, couple, there's, I've heard a couple of their songs. They're super great. Some of their, like, earlier hits were, like, Salute and Move. Um, right now, their, like, big singles are Shout Out to My Ex. I've heard, heard of that, that one. one. Yeah, which is really <laughs> fun. So I just love them and my girl Pop, and I'm really excited that their album's out, and I love it. So check them out. Um, and then my next one is the biggest one is Moana. And how beautiful it is. I have not seen it yet. I saw it. I saw it last night. I saw it yesterday morning, and it is gorgeous. It made me cry so much. Um, The music, unsurprisingly, is wonderful. Lin-Manuel Miranda does sing in it, and it's delightful. And he wrote a lot of songs. Yeah. Moana as a character is just beautiful and wonderful. And the amount of, like, representation in this film, the fact that, like, Disney did so much with, like, Polynesia and like these cultures and so many people of Polynesian heritage worked on this film both in acting and like doing like writing the film and like helping make it as authentic as possible was just so wonderful to see um and it was just a really beautiful film Jemaine Clement is hilarious he's one half of Flight of the Concords he's my favorite half and he plays (laughs) He plays a giant crab in the film, and he has a song that sounds exactly like a Flight of the Concord song. Yeah, it sounds like him. Should we should we say who who he sounds like, or should we let, leave that to the audience? I mean, to me, he just sounds like Jermaine. Well, to so. me, he sounds like doing he's doing a Bowie impression. Oh, so I well, like but it. that's it's funny because Flight of the Concord had a song right. called Bowie. Well, it's like their it's like his impression of Bowie. Yeah. So yeah, he's so funny though. Yeah. Um, and stay till the end of the credits. Oh, I did not. We did not. Oh, there's a there's a special. There's an extra scene. Um, I have not seen uh, it yet, but I will do that when I watch it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a really wonderful film. Moana is a wonderful character and I think really important right now. Um, and it's just so beautiful. Also, so the, Disney's the, done it again. The dad is played by the same guy who played Jango Fett in the Star Wars prequels. Really? Yep. Because he's Maori. Yep. Oh. How fun. That's really cool. Yep. Yeah, there was, and, like, Jermaine, Jermaine is, like, of Maori descent, which are the indigenous people to New Zealand. Yep. So, it was just, it's really great that this film was really authentic, and just a great story. I mean, Ron, Ron and John, who did, like, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Princess and the Frog, like, they did it again. It's so beautiful. They did it again. Yeah. I highly recommend it. Mm -hmm. Yes. All right. Thanks, Lanya. Um, I'm going to go next. So my really like is both a really like and a don't like. But what? my really like, it's, it's all connected by the big K, 
K-pop. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to do a K with her fingers and it's not working. Honestly, I tried to do a K with my fingers last night. I was talking about 4K with my girlfriend. I'm like, they have 4K, and I just don't know how to do it. Kinda it kind of works like this. Let's do it like this. Yeah, this is sign language. Oh, shit. I can't do it. sign language. I don't know sign language. I don't know sign language either. Anyway. Audience, you can't see us, but we're trying to make Ks with our fingers, and it's not working. They are not. They should just do a sign language K, but they're not. Anyways, I was in Japan for 10 days. That was why I was missing the last episode and last week. Um, but I finally saw a Big Bang. You guys got to see got to see the beginning, middle, and end of my obsession here on the Millennial Falcon. I'm sure it won't end anytime soon. But. We'll see, because they're going to go on hiatus probably, because oh, nice. they're enlisting into the military soon, military soon, because uh, South Korea has mandatory two-year enlistment for all of their men and um before the time they're 30 so uh the oldest is 28 and he has to do it now so maybe it'll do like elvis presley and do songs in the military maybe well there is actually a celebrity unit but they're not joining it because they're like i'm a man they actually have a celebrity <laughs> unit they have a celebrity because they've been doing we're just gonna put job. all the celebrities in one unit <laughs> that won't be a bad they, they probably keep them away from the public because the yeah. celebrities are always like we're mobbed but anyways, um, I saw them for their 10th anniversary concert in Japan. It happened to coincide with the last day I was in Japan, all um, on the other side of the island from where I was. So we took a bullet train and we flew back to Tokyo, and it was all worth it because Big Bang was amazing. <laughs> oh, Yay! my God. It was such a fun concert. It was um, in the middle. It was on a Saturday, and there was, like, a lot of families there because it was a weekend. There was, like mothers, kids, a lot of guys, and just a lot of big variety of stuff. It was really sweet to see. And they know how to put on a show. There's just, like, strobe lights everywhere. Everyone has a little light stick um, that they, like, synchronize with the music. And there are more than one sets of fireworks, which frightened me several nice. times. Um, and they, always, they had one song, Haru Haru, which they always get the crowd to sing along with, either in in Korean or in Japanese, and we were in Japan, so I had to, I memorized the lyrics to the Japanese chorus, and I did it. I sang yeah, along, girl. and I was so happy, and I was just, I had such a good time, and I was, like, snapping yeah, and tweeting the entire time. Also, my pictures that I tweeted out um, got stolen by Big Bang fan accounts, so I guess I've made it now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was great. They all had ridiculous hair, like, Top, the oldest member who's been listening soon, had dyed his hair pink, which looked ridiculous but amazing on him. G-Dragon, my favorite, had dyed his hair the ugliest lime green color, and I was like, I still love you. <laughs> it was just... This is my favorite. I love your love for them. Thank you. It was, it was good. They sound even better live, honestly, because a lot of the songs that I'm kind of met about when I listen to, I, just on the soundtrack, it sounds even better live, and I just... They, they know how to perform, and they are great vocally so i had a lot of fun although they've been doing this tour for like two years now so you can tell that they're just kind of like they don't care anymore so they're just out wearing jeans is this the same tour when they were in america oh this is actually a second tour but like continued right after that Mm -hmm. tour so i enjoyed that um but it was bittersweet because they are enlisting in the military soon and it'll be over for at least five years before they are all out and can maybe reunite who knows because um, their company is kind of in chaos right now. Because one of the big girl group under the same company as them, 2NE1, or 21, just disbanded. And 
back when I first had my first, like, reluctant foray into K-pop back in 2012 or 2011, they were the group that I liked. And I was really sad about that. Like, I was only a casual fan now, but, like, they... They had a song that was used in a Microsoft They had a song that was in a Microsoft commercial. They were, like... Uh, cameo- cameoing in America's, America's Next Top Model in The Bachelor, they showed up and they featured in Will I Am's album. Like they were re- getting really big, and then like they just disbanded all of a sudden. Um, the the rapper of the group CL is doing her solo tour right now in the U.S. Like she's trying to make it break into the American markets um, with an English album. So like that could be the case. It is kind of sad because there are like there was a scandal after their last album, and like the, one of the members had to go like into hiding essentially because she was on antidepressants, and she had that gotten them prescribed in the U.S. But then like the prescription was illegal in Korea, so people accused her of drug smuggling. So it was just like really bad. Yikes. Yeah, they have a really bad view, bad like cons- old view of um, mental illness and. Um, prescription drugs there so it's just like it doesn't work out so like uh, that myriad of factors ended up in them disbanding and it's really sad because they were unlike a lot of girl groups out there like they all look different they were curvy they weren't like conventionally attractive by Korean standards and they just looked so different and they knew it and like they had such good good different dynamic music so I am really sad that they're gone now and uh, that Big Bang's going to be gone now, too. But I really oh. like that I finally got to see but Big Bang. But you saw them. I did. So at least, like, that was a nice capper to my Japan trip and yes. to this roller coaster of K-pop that I went through this year. I love that I've been on this journey with you. Thank you. I'm glad that I took you guys along with on me with this journey, whether you wanted to or not. <laughs> I just like that Chloe yes. Bennett was in one of their videos. She was. She was in a Big Bang video. And Willoughby was really excited when he saw her. Yeah. Will be. What yes. did you really like this week? Uh, two things. One of them uh, follows very closely to our Harry Potter talk. Um, on Friday was Cyber was like Black Friday, and Amazon has has had a bunch of deals going on because it's like you know sales and stuff. Cyber Monday's on Monday. Um, the eight movie collection of all ha- eight Harry Potter movies was on sale for thirty five dollars, um, and I bought it and I bought it same day delivery, so it came. Uh, I ordered it at 11.30 a.m. It was at my door by 8.30 p.m. And I have been watching, I've been re-watching all eight Harry Potter movies this I've, entire weekend. I've seen you tweeting about I've it. I've been not so subtly live tweeting this entire weekend. It's been weekend. pretty great. Um, I really liked your Snapchat about cop block, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I love that. Um, so I am about uh, an hour, no, 40 minutes into Half-Blood Prince as, at the time of this recording. So, Ooh, so you're on the worst movie. Um, yeah, it's, I Apple don't. Apple is terrible. I don't like. I like the the angst, the angsty bullshit that's going on, but it's like not uh-uh. plotted well. You know, a movie that the Harry Potter movie that surprisingly holds up well and like is better on every viewing. Order of the Phoenix. Me too. I I agree. It's much better than the first time I saw it. I, I watched it. I think it's actually like I one of the better Harry Potter. I watched movies. it this morning. I was yeah. like. This actually holds up well as, like, its own movie. Yeah. Yeah, Order's really good, but Half-Blood Prince is terrible. It's like, it gets worse every time I watch it. <laughs> yeah, that I agree. It, it's, they, they smeared, like, green Vaseline on the, on the, on the yeah, lens. It's such it's a awful. bad it's, But they take, okay, so scene. David Yates directed 5, 6, 7, and 8, and the Fantastic Beasts. Mm-hmm. And he has this visual style that is very different than uh, Christopher Columbus. And if kind you look, saturated. it's it's very desaturated, mm-hmm. but... Uh, Order of the Phoenix had a lot of color to it, and then 
Harry Potter six just did not. They took out like everything except the greens and the grays and the and the and like the beiges. It was really awkward. So awful. Um, but he brings it back for Deathly Hallows one and two, and then there's definitely more color and. So I don't know what they were doing. Part of me thinks, okay, so the the co- the cover of Deathly of Half Blood Prince was green, so they're trying to be more like that. <laughs> and it's just not doing well. But that's suffice to say, uh, I'm loving this rewatch, uh, because, especially because Freeform is losing the rights to Harry Potter. Yeah, so, I'm sad about that. And I have all the movies on DVD and Blu-ray, but the first three movies I got when they were still doing full screen DVDs, mm-hmm. and it's really awkward because they cropped it. And they zoomed in to fill the screen because every Harry Potter movie was filmed widescreen, two, three, five. Uh-huh. And so when um, the first, but most movie, most TV sh- TVs, when the first three movies came out, were still square. Mm. So I have the first three movies in four by three, and I'm like, that's not fun. Yeah. Um. So that's why I always, I, I never rewatched them on my own. But now that Freeform is t- getting rid of them, which was ABC Family. So no more Harry Potter weekends, which is really bummer. Mm-hmm. But now that I have all eight movies, I can watch them whenever I want. So funny enough, I was rewatching some Harry Potter yesterday, and I was watching Order of the Phoenix at the same time as you, I think. Uh-huh. Um, but I was thinking about this while I was watching it. What would you say is, like, an essential Harry Potter movie viewing? Because I was thinking... Like, six, viewing order? Like, of the movies, like, all seven movies, like, if you could skip some. Oh. Because I was thinking, like, when I was watching fifth one, I was like, we could totally skip the sixth. It's, like, inessential. You yeah. could just, like, yeah. fill it in later. You could, because they talk about the Horcruxes, like, they were not introduced. Yeah, yeah. So I was thinking maybe, like, first, third, fifth, and then seven, part one and two for, like, my essentials. Um, this is something I was thinking of. Two comes to mind because of the... The Tom Riddle's diary. Yeah, but like that's just a Horcrux that. Yeah, shows two doesn't up come later. to mind because I think Chamber of Secrets is one of the weakest books mm-hmm. and movies. Yeah, so I think two and six are like the weakest out of mm-hmm. the entire series. I mean, definitely three is great. Mm-hmm. I think three is the best. Th- three, four only parts of it. Yeah, and then five is good, and then seven. Deathly Hallows Part One is still my favorite of all eight movies. Um, and then Part Two, just because it's the continuation of that story, but like. Part one as its own movie is mm-hmm. very like I loved it. Yeah, agreed. Part, the first movie is perfect. First yeah. movie is great. I think it's yeah. it's probably the third and the seven part one are like are kind of are my favorites. I sometimes it varies which one is is my favorite, but mm-hmm. I like both of them a lot. Yeah, yeah, and I so, think you need the end of four. Yeah, yeah, because that's like because that yeah. propels yeah, yeah, the rest the of the story. Um, and the fourth shift. So yeah, um, so yeah, Harry Potter the Harry Potter collection on Blu-ray for thirty five dollars. That was great. Um, and then my second really, really like is I picked up Anna Kendrick's memoir book, Scrappy Little Nobody, last week. And I've, I'm like 50 pages in, and it's just as funny as all her tweets. And she's got a great writing voice. And it's basically like her just talking about her life as like a child actress who was nominated for a Tony. And then like kept, go- you know, kept going back to high school and then propelled herself into like being an, uh, an adult actor. Um, so it's a lot of fun. Um, it's cute. It's very funny. So, yeah. Awesome. I want to read that one day, so good to know. If you get it at Target, there's an extra Target chapter at the very beginning of the movie, of the, of the book. That's funny. Oh, yeah. interesting. It's like, it's like very self-aware of, like, help, like, attention Target shoppers or something like that. I like That's Anna cute. Kendrick, the celebrity, but I kind of miss when she was an actress. <laughs> no. Like when she was just doing bit parts? No, when she was... An Oscar-nominated role. Oh, yeah. Because, like, lately all she's yeah. been doing are, like, Anna Kendrick roles. Like, she's basically playing herself on screen. 
or like an exaggerated version of herself. And I kind of miss when she was acting. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's like Chris Pratt. Yeah. Well, like her indie movies are are good when she's acting in indie movies. Yeah, but she hasn't done a lot of those recently. I feel like her personality has superseded her acting abilities. What I mean. Well, like she acts fine, but I just like miss when she was doing interesting and different roles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. The Pitch Perfect right. franchise is a little much. Yeah. I like Pitch Perfect one. Pitch Perfect two is not great. Yeah. All right. So that is our episode. If you guys have any thoughts on Fantastic Beasts or any of the Harry Potter movies, uh, Anna Kendrick's Celebrity or her new book. <laughs> Or Big Bang, or Moana, or Little Mix. So many topics discussed today. I know. Why do you guys all have two really likes now? Is that going to be your thing from now on? No. No, there were just two things I really liked. It's two weeks of buildup. All right, all right, all right. The past two weeks. I got Scrappy Little little Nobody during things uh, the week we were off, and then I got Harry Potter on Friday. Okay, okay, okay. We've been gone for two weeks, okay? (laughs) Back to one There's a lot of things we liked. Um, but if you guys have any thoughts on any of these topics, all of them, each team, where can they come find us, Wolby? You can find us on Facebook. Uh, we're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. Our blog is millennialfalconpodcast.wordpress.com. Um, we're on SoundCloud. We're on uh, iTunes and Google Play where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And where can they find you guys? You can find me at HChenBui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.